Welcome to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Martian. So glad that you've tuned in today. We are going to talk this hour about what's happening in the government. Of course, it's Super Tuesday. Don't forget the Iowa caucuses are happening in what, 32 days or something like that? I mean, first of February will be here before you know it. And uh, well, the end of January, I mean, it's, it, we're going to get into that season. And it looks like if everything goes the way it's supposed to go right now, we are still headed for a Donald Trump versus Joe Biden rematch for 2024. The big questions are, will Joe Biden be impeached before that time? And will he be able to run again? Will any of Donald Trump's legal challenges prevent him from staying on the ballot? Um, right now, it looks like yes to the first question that the Biden administration will, in fact, see the impeachment of Joe and Hunter Biden. And well, Hunter Biden's been indicted. Joe Biden will be impeached. And then how will the Democrats handle it? Um, Gavin Newsom is, of course, thought to be a front runner to succeed Joe Biden. No one is mentioning Kamala Harris. Um, she <laughs> she just I mean, you know, you would hope would have hoped that by now in this country, knocking on the door of 2024, that not only would there be a woman who would be able to handle the Oval Office, and I believe there are many of them who are more than many of women in our number. I mean, we're, we've gotten to the point where so many people don't even think about it anymore. Who's the best candidate? And Democrats did not choose the best candidate to be the first female elected to the White House as the vice president. They chose someone who checked off the most boxes. Mixed race background, comes from California, um, you know, husband's Jewish. I mean, they're just, uh, they, it's amazing to me how absolutely quiet the media have been on Kamala Harris. I mean, I realize she's not the president of the United States, but she's proven to be so ineffective. You have to wonder, are the Democrats saying, okay, Joe Biden's too old, Kamala Harris is ineffective. What about Gavin Newsom and Gretchen Whitmer? Maybe, I don't know. On the GOP side, if you are not a Donald Trump fan, guess what? Donald Trump is still the front runner. And it will take an act of a judge or God or something like that to keep him from running again. The question is, whom will be his vice presidential pick? If it were conventional wisdom, he would choose Nikki Haley. I think the Trump-Haley ticket would be very formidable. People who do not really care that much about Donald Trump's politics anymore would be overjoyed to know that Nikki Haley was running, you know, riding shotgun with him. Donald Trump, I predict, will pick right now. If the, if, if the nominations happen today and Donald Trump did get the nomination, I think he'll pick Christy Nome, who's the governor of South Dakota. The reason is she comes from that kind of Midwestern heart of the United States. It's a relatively small state. She could be Sarah Palin. But she has demonstrated that she does have a good ability to govern, govern well. She's taken on Chinese nationalists who want to come up and buy South Dakota farmland. And she's been an outspoken supporter of Donald Trump. So I think he could manage that ticket a little better. Uh, how does Christy Noem and Donald Trump do against Joe and Kamala? It's anyone's guess. But the season's going to be here before you know it. And you know what that means. Every other year, you get a copy of Roger's Recommendations up at thebottomlineshow.com. I will begin working on that after the first of the year. For the People's Republic of California, of course, I want to obviously do a big hit on the propositions. That's where we've always uh, found our most effective uh, reach for me to do analysis of the propositions and put them out there for the entire Golden State. I rely heavily on people like iVoterGuide.com, uh, My Faith Votes, uh, Election Forum with Craig Huey. Uh, Craig does a fantastic job of covering all those smaller races, you know, the judges and uh, city council, school boards, that uh, you know, county supervisors, water districts, things like that, that um, 
that are important for us to vote on, but we I don't have the bandwidth. Craig has a great team, and he puts that together. We'll have Craig on a lot during the 2024 election to talk about that, to kind of handicap that for us. But um, when you see Roger's recommendations up at thebottomlineshow.com and rogermarsh.com, um, they're helpful, and I know we've heard from many bottom line listeners over the years who say this is great i'm getting ready to go to the polls i print out roger's recommendations i take a look at it and i i don't have the numbers specifically in front of me so i'll say anecdotally i'd say two-thirds to 70 percent of the time the recommendations that i make wind up being successful so again that's not you know patting myself on the back i'm too big anymore to try to do that would hurt my neck to try to pat myself on the back but that's not the point the point isn't about i'm right and you're wrong the point is what is right and giving us the best information we can get to make the best decisions we can because i believe that christians should register to vote and should vote i don't care if you don't like who's on the ballot i don't care if you like the propositions or not um, the idea is don't sit the election out it's too important to to miss out on this opportunity now, I mentioned earlier that Gavin Newsom is uh, uh, the front runner. He's kind of the odds-on favorite on the Democrat side to replace Joe Biden. Not Kamala Harris, but Gavin Newsom. He's got that kind of Pat Riley look. People think he's got a good presence. Um, he's from California. Give him someone from the eastern U.S. I mean, Gretchen Whitmer's from Michigan. She would be a good, uh, a good foil. Or maybe they'll pick someone from the squad who's already. Maybe they'll pick Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Who knows? AOC and Gavin. I don't know. But here's the thing: the reason Gavin Newsom has been so popular, I thought in 2020 when the pandemic hit that Joe Biden might run and pick Gavin Newsom as his running mate. Now that is a whole lot of. Uh, the uh, Anglo going at you, but it's Joe Biden from the Eastern old money and Gavin Newsom from the West coast. And then when the pandemic started, the media decided to crown Gavin King. This guy's handling the pandemic better than anybody else. The lockdowns, the mandates, Oh, with Gavin Newsom, Gavin Newsom. And then of course we started looking into what was really going on behind the scenes. We found out that Gavin Newsom issued 47 illegal executive orders, that Gavin Newsom wasn't doing COVID testing, that he wasn't testing for people in uh, areas that were heavily populated with people of color. Um, the, the death toll was as bad, if not worse in California and New York than it was in Texas and Florida. And the economies came to a grinding halt. But yeah, did you see the budget surplus that Gavin Newsom has? In the middle of a pandemic, he still has a surplus, we were told, for the 2021 budget, the 21-22 budget. Surplus, 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 extra money, Gavin Newsom getting it done. And I know that's what was fueling the speculation. Even though there was a recall election in 2021, even though he won re-election to the governor's mansion in 2022, the chorus of, yay, Gavin, got his highest 55% approval rating until it didn't. All of a sudden, you start running into some cash flow problems. There were a series of storms last winter that made it very difficult for people to do business. Fewer people were buying homes. Fewer people were moving to California. The millionaire's tax that used to attract millionaires used to come to California in droves to buy that really expensive home and let it sit in Bel Air. That was their vacation home or whatever. They put in that extra was a 1% millionaire tax in May of 2022. And all of a sudden, the guys like Mark Wahlberg said, I'm selling Beverly Hills. I'm moving to Las Vegas. 
You know, I can buy twice the home for half the price. Why would I want to stay here? And so it's interesting that the storm problem made it so that a lot of people were given extra time to pay their taxes. And so those who had tax bills uh, in 2022, in some cases, just finished paying them off in November of 2023. That meant that they had to come up with their budget last summer for the following fiscal year without knowing how much money they were going to have. Well, guess what? <laughs> Turns out Gavin Newsom, the excellent legislator or governor, isn't much of a budget forecaster. The state legislature and the governor badly underestimated how many taxes they'd be collecting from people and businesses. They were off by, uh, oh, $26 billion or so. Add to that the fact that they were already looking at about a $40 billion government deficit. And next thing you know, the predicted deficit for fiscal 24-25 in California is $68 billion. Now, bear in mind, California's current budget is around $300 billion with a B dollars. But the guy who got used to having budget surpluses, in some cases, they were more than $100 million. They took that money and you'd think, okay, well, you're going to pay off some debts. You're going to you know, dig deeper into savings. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> what they did is they started hiring more allies in the state legislature. They expanded government. They paid for guaranteed health insurance for all low-income adults, regardless of immigration status. Free lunches now for every student in the public schools in California. Somebody has to pay for this. And guess who's going to pay for it? Taxpayers in California. By the way, the minimum wage for healthcare workers in California is $25 an hour. California Department of Finance estimates that that wage increase alone will cost the state $2 billion in the next budget year and increase labor costs and Medicaid payments to hospitals. State Senator Roger Niello, who's a Republican from Fair Oaks, he's the vice chairman of the uh, committee that oversees the state budget, said, uh, excuse me, Republicans have been cautioning that this level of spending would lead to greater deficits and it would be more prudent to show restraint. Unfortunately, the majority party ignored those warnings. The legislative and an analyst office, rather, says that their, by their projections... The cumulative deficit in California from fiscal 2022-23 through 27-28 is $155 billion. Throw that number out at your friends who are saying, but Gavin Newsom, Gavin Newsom should be our next president. Gavin, well, look at what he's doing to California. The golden state is turning rusty and dusty and actually turning red really quickly. Not for communism, but for debt. We'll put this article up at thebottomlineshow.com. You can see for yourself. Of course, Gavin Newsom is one of the crown princes of the woke movement. Um, what about this Vogue virus that is destroying our culture called wokeism? Author A.J. Rice joins me on the other side of this break to talk about that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we are going to venture into some uh, unfamiliar territory for some people, uh, very familiar for others. And we're going to get into a definition of wokeism how it's impacting the culture, and a brand new resource to us anyway, it's been out for a little while, uh, called The Woking Dead, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. A.J. Rice is the author of this book, and he joins me now on 
video as well as on audio as well. So you can see him on uh, myhopenow.com. AJ Rice, welcome to the Bottom Line Show. Sir, great to be here. Appreciate it. AJ Rice is CEO of Publius PR, a premier communications firm in Washington, D.C. Uh, he has a variety of different talents. And as a matter of fact, many of the uh, uh, the really great A-list authors that you've heard here on the Bottom Line Show, we met through AJ. So it's really nice to actually have the uh, the conversation here. Uh, let's, let's talk about this whole wokeism. It seems like in the past decade that this whole woke agenda has really kind of uh, reared its ugly head. And what you write about in this book, The Woking Dead, is where the battle started is a guy named Donald J. Trump showed up, won the presidency, and you call him the vaccine and America needed. Talk about that. Yeah, look, um, wokeism is something that lowers America's immune system. Uh, it's kind of like a retrovirus, like, mm -hmm. you know, HIV, right? Mm -hmm. And I always said that Trump, even with the flaws, um, was kind of like, you know, white blood cells flying towards an infection. Mm -hmm. He... And I think one of the three big reasons he won in 16 and why, you know, he got more votes than any sitting president in history in 2020 is that three things. One, immigration. Two, the, you know, the fact that China has been eating our lunch and the free trade stuff. The fact that the Republican Party has kind of thrown in with the Chamber of Commerce, at least up till that point. Um, and, and the sort of radical free trade, you know, anything goes, the customer can be immoral. We still have to do business with them, um, which would be China. And then, and then the pushing back on wokeism, which up until recently was basically political correctness, at least a, a portion of it, a portion of wokeism is political correctness. See, wokeism, and I've been sort of trying to compile a unified theory of wokeism, is is not just one channel of tyranny. It's multiple channel, channels of tyranny or multiple flavors or colors, whether it's a Crayola 64 box or the, you know, mm -hmm. the Baskin and Robbins flavors. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. and, it, and it grows by the day. So yes, I think one of the reasons he won is because he, he rejected the premise. Mm -hmm. I think the Republican Party was tired of the, you know, play nice crowd, the, the, you know, you know, drink a little herbal tea, hang out with, hang out on MSNBC, you know, Barack Obama's a wonderful man. Um, you know, we can do business together when the cameras are off. The Romney, McCain, even Bush mm -hmm. uh, variety of Republican politicians had expired. It yeah. was growing mold in the, mm -hmm. in the refrigerator. So Trump brought in what he what he always brought in. I mean, he was just bringing it to politics this time, which was the fact that, you know, he was the OG of being politically incorrect, whether it was you you saw him on The Apprentice or you heard him on Howard Stern or you, you, you know, you saw him in a commercial or at WWE or an NFL game. He wasn't going to read from the song sheet that a lot of Linguini-spined Republicans have been mm -hmm. reading from, be mm -hmm. it Paul Ryan or Bill Frist. Now, some of these people, I'm sure, are wonderful human beings. But when you're up against a, a, a radical enemy, um, you know, you need to bring a Rottweiler. Right. And that's what Trump was. Um, and I think that's why a lot of religious people gravitated towards him. Maybe not at first, because, you know, I mean, he's, a, he's from Queens. He's a hard hat guy. Um, 
But I think at some point, you know, whether it's a Orthodox Catholic or Jew or, you know, an evangelical Protestant, you, 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 you got people in the past that maybe have, have gone to church more, but they weren't protecting freedom of speech or freedom of religion more right. than this man has done, be it personally or with judges. So it was one of those things where I think Christians wanted a bodyguard. They weren't looking for a preacher in chief or a priest in chief. They were looking for someone to stand outside the church and stop the sort of radical, secular, humanist agenda from coming in and basically baptizing Marx, baptizing mm -hmm. Karl Marx right in front of them in the pulpit. So that's what I think Trump brought. I mean, you know. None of us are perfect. There's only been one perfect person. So right. you know, yeah. you've got a defender in Trump and you will continue to. Yes. A.J. Rice is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Some great passionate uh, opening statements from his book, The Woking Dead, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. The left worked so hard, A.J., to keep Donald Trump from getting a second uh, term in office. And now we see, you know, the, the obviously what has happened is probably I, I used to say to people, how could you as a Christian support Donald Trump? And I said, well, look, I mean, what he did in four years in office is way better, I think, than anybody ever expected that he could. I think you could say the same in reverse for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, that these three years so far in office have turned out to be way worse than we thought they could have been. Um, and, and now we're kind of we find ourselves at a, a threshold of sorts. Uh, kind of give us your take on the issues with Joe Biden that we really should be concerned with. I mean, it, the, anybody can say, oh, I don't like him because, like you said, the, the CNN crowd, you know, said something and I don't like that. But can you give us a couple of specifics as to why the Biden-Harris presidency has become more dangerous than the Trump-Pence presidency ever was? Well, you know, when you look at Pence, Pence is someone that has served in the House. He's been a governor. He's been a an executive. Mm -hmm. Pence has... I think his own problems with the Republican voting electorate, um, but he had he had managed, you know, he's part of House leadership and he had managed a state. Right. Whether he whether he managed it great or not, it's you know a different story. Trump is the first person elected president that had not held office before or had not served, you know, at, at a high level in the military like some of the generals that we have elected, whether it's. Washington, Jackson, Grant, Eisenhower, people like that. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference. When you and, and so you have different types of confidence there, right? Both from Trump and Pence. With Kamala and Joe, the scariest part is you, you know, I think they serve two different masters. I think um they're controlled, but by two different groups. And with Joe Biden in particular, I mean, you are looking at a a an American meat puppet. You're looking at someone dancing on the strings of something or someone. It's mm -hmm. and it's physical. Yes, the audience can see it. He shuffles about. Uh, he falls. He falls on his feet. He falls off bikes. He falls at the Air Force graduation. He falls all over. I mean, he's an older man, so some of this is like elder abuse at this point. Um, but he is, you know, so vulnerable and and so sort of malleable the question is who's calling the shots um some of it is the deep state probably a lot of it is the third string sort of backbenchers from the obama 
eight years that are in the White House, the Susan Rice, you know, Ron Klein types, and now mm-hmm. they're they're deputies. Um, so, but but he's kind of like Ron Burgundy, where you, you whatever you put in front of him, he's going to sign. Whatever you put in front of him, he's going to read. And that mm-hmm. is scary. That is scary. Um, you know, and 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 it's funny is in the eighties with Reagan, and then with George W. Bush, with Reagan it was oh he's losing his mind. I mean, Reagan is basically Michael Jordan mentally mm-hmm. compared to what we're dealing with yeah. with Joe Biden. Very true. George mm-hmm. W. Bush it was oh well you know he won by accident he, he didn't really win. Uh, Al Gore won a hanging Chad Florida nonsense. So. Daddy called and he called Jim Baker and Jim Baker put all of daddy's friends around W so that W had, you know, could play bumper cars with Cheney and Rumsfeld all day. So that was the narrative there. The scary thing about Trump was they could not control him. Right. They right. tried to, bla- they tried, they tried everything. They've tried fake dossiers. They've tried bugging, you know, Trump tower. They sent Comey sent people in to, to try to, you know, you know, get people on the record and wearing a wire and all kinds of things. So, so that is the scariest thing to, to, to sort of the uniparty, the establishment political elite in the United States. It's not Trump's jokes. It's not the tweets. It's, it's the fact that no one owns him, which is why they had to create a boogeyman that owned him. And that's apparently Russia and Putin. Okay. Putin owns him. Um, whereas with Biden, it's like, you know, you look at the family's business dealings, you know, and I don't want to, you know, my book isn't about those things. There's other good books that are, but the scariest part is that he is a controlled meat puppet dancing on the strings of globalists, dancing on the strings of the uniparty and of the sort of permanent, you know, establishment, the permanent administrative state in Washington. And look, I'm here. I'm in the nation's capital. My neighbors are these people, okay? Mm-hmm. So, yep. so, yes. so, you know, everyone wants to vote themselves a raise. So if they hear that a politician is going to come in here and strip mine the federal government 10 layers deep, you know, like doing a facial to Uncle Sam, go all the way down, you know, so you can get rid of those mm-hmm. pores that are nasty. That, <laughs> that is what Trump tried to do. That was the plan for, for term number two. Um, and that will be the plan if he were to win again. Well, it's very interesting and a, a great hypothesis and laid out, I think, very succinctly and uh, clearly by A.J. Rice. A.J. is the author of the book called The Woking Dead, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to take a look at Hollywood, going to look at the media, look at the sporting world and see, are there any unwoke stars or athletes left that we can look at and, and use them as role models. More of my conversation with A.J. Rice in just a moment as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. 
Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the bottom line here on this Super Tuesday edition of the program. I am Roger Marsh, your tour guide for the craziness that's happening in the culture right now. A.J. Rice is my guest. Uh, his book is called The Woking Dead. It's all about how the vogueness of progressivism and having a quote-unquote woke attitude has really taken over Hollywood and Washington, D.C., and how it is impacting the church. And this is a powerful and important book to read and understand. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we do have a copy of this book we're giving away today. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, that one copy of the book. But one of the things that is so important about this book, The Woking Dead, is AJ has been around the political world for years. He's been a publicist, been a writer. He understands what's going on in Capitol Hill and Hollywood and wherever. But also he's been watching what it's doing to the church and how the woke progressive policies of woke progressives are actually coming after us. And literally that's part of the goal. If it seems like more and more Christians are going under attack and having to deal with this type of uh, issue, it's true. I mean, they really, this is a calculated effort to attack Christianity. Now, ultimately we know Jesus won the war. There are battles we will have to face. And it's, you know, there, there are times when we are gonna have to turn the other cheek in the name of our witness for Christ. I think the key with what AJ's talking about and what we're discussing here on the Bottom Line Show is when do you pick up arms and when do you uh, you know, just say, okay, fine, I'll turn the other cheek. Coming up in the second half hour of the program, more of my conversation with AJ Rice. And then as we wrap up the program, I wanna share a story about a church that's actually suing a county municipal water district for what they call an unholy water tax and I happen to agree with the church on this one. I think the courts will too. We'll get into that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. AJ Rice is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. AJ is the author of a great book. It's a it's an eye-opener. Um, it's certainly not a Bible study per se. It is a commentary that holds no punches on what's happening in America in terms of wokeness in society. And I'll put that up in air quotes for our friends at myopenow.com. Uh, the Woking Dead is the book, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. You've got a section in this book, AJ, about the different sports, media, pastimes, if you will, that have all you know taken a woke stand. And uh, we're thinking about, you know, we're during baseball playoffs right now, thinking about what happened in Georgia a couple of years ago with the All-Star Game and, and how silly that turned out to be. You do have a chapter in here about Kobe Bryant, and you refer to him as the last unwoke NBA athlete. Talk about what you mean by that. Well, look, he was from a different era. He kind of bridged the 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 eras of Michael Jordan and LeBron James. He was the sort mm -hmm. of the glue there. Um, you know, whether it's Shaquille O'Neal, other players from that era, they kind of they followed in 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 Mike's footsteps, in Jordan's footsteps. And Jordan, mm -hmm. you know, understood above and beyond he was an entertainer, he was an athlete. Right. He wasn't there to, you know, uh, weigh in on every single little picayune political issue. Um, and he caught some heat from that. Um, both his parents were in his were in the house when he grew up. Mm -hmm. uh, his mom was a strong personality. They had faith. 
Um, they're from the South. They grew up in like Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, you know, he played for Dean Smith uh, at the University of North Carolina, the Tar Heels, who was kind of an old school traditional guy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and I think he had certain values, which is why, you know, when he got he got flack from time to time, he would say things like, you know, Republicans uh, buy sneakers, too. And look, he's the greatest of all time. It's not Kobe. It's not LeBron. He is. And he understands that to be the greatest of all time, like certain politicians, like Lincoln during the Civil War, like, you know, religious figures, whether it's Jesus Christ or Moses or whoever you want to, you know, Confucius or whoever you want to drill down on. If you're going to be the greatest of all time, you have to be the greatest of all time for everyone. Right, right. Not for the Chinese market only. Not for some, you know, sliver of the hip hop community or, or, you know, woke ESPN or MSNBC. You have to be it for everyone. And I think the greatest of all times, at least the three that are alive right now, three that are ironically fairly friendly with former President Trump, mm -hmm. um, they all get this. I think Tiger Woods gets it. Mm -hmm. I think Tom Brady gets it. I know Jordan got it. So with Kobe, Kobe's kind of this sort of throwback uh, athlete that, you know, we didn't really know. And look, I'm from Philadelphia. So I grew up with Kobe. I saw him play in high school. Uh, we're around the same age. Uh, you know, as a Sixers fan, I didn't like, you know, some of the Lakers stuff, uh, obviously. <laughs> they yeah. beat us in the finals in 01. Uh -huh. You know, I was an Allen Iverson guy. Um but Kobe was a Phillies fan. He was a he was an Eagles fan. He got to see the Eagles win a Super Bowl finally. There's a famous mm -hmm. video of him, famous video of him holding his newborn in the dark, watching the final, the final moment of that game against Tom Brady, uh, yes. jumping up and down with his wife yelling at him in the background. It's a it's a famous viral moment by Kobe. Um, and look, you know, Unfortunately, whether it's Kevin Durant or Steph Curry or, or, or LeBron, we kind of know where they stand on, you know, global warming and trans and vaccines. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so whereas the purity of, a, of the game is kind of lost um, because we're not we're not just looking at somebody that that, you know, is an amazing football or, or, or basketball player. We're we're looking at an, an activist. So with with a lot of our entertainment. Um, you know, they've become activists. And that's not to say you can't use sports to be an activist. Right. But if you're right. going to, if you're going to, this is like certain comedians talk about, can you make Holocaust jokes? Yes, but it better be funny. Can you mm. make September 11th jokes? Yes, but it better be funny. Okay. So if you're going to, if you're going to pretend to be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Muhammad Ali, or Jim Brown, who took stands that I think in history has recorded them as noble. Yes. Um, you better be right. You, be you better not, if you're LeBron James or Dwayne Wade, it better not be about, you know, having doctors remove genitalia from children. Mm. Right? Mm. Because that is not yep. what Muhammad Ali or Kareem or Jim Brown were talking about. So, or, you know, Jack Johnson, the boxer. I mean, we can go through a lot of people that in hindsight, history has recorded them as as validating their noble effort and and there have been actors and musicians that have done the same thing but you know what goes on now in the modern era where they're taking this stand and that stand and lebron james is 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 against the hong kong protesters 
because he wants to release a Space Jam sequel in China. Of course. So, so that's where we're at now. You know, this isn't this isn't the civil rights movement. This yeah. is athletes looking at their pocketbook, looking at markets, and tr- and basically saying, you know what? The heck with with the audience of this show, or the heck with traditional Americans. I'm going to replace them with the 1.3 billion, you know, Chinese. Yeah. They'll be my new market. They'll be my new customers. And look, you know, and I'm sure you talk about it on this show when it comes to wokeism. You know, corporations are making that decision too. Right. Right. It's amazing when you think about how wokeism has infiltrated our country. And uh, today here on the Bottom Line Show, talking with author A.J. Rice about his book called The Woking Dead, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. A couple of minutes left in, in the conversation, and I really commend this book to our Bottom Line Show audience. It's very comprehensive and there's a lot to it. You take on Hollywood and Hollywood's take, of course, we know how politically correct and woke Hollywood is. But there are a couple of guys in Hollywood right now who are making some noise in a different direction, and they are now seen as kind of the antithesis of the Hollywood hero. Uh, and that would be, I mean, in any other day, Chris Pratt, Mark Wahlberg, guys like that who are box office heroes and some of those popular movie icons in the world right now. These guys are very open about their faith. They're open about their love for their family. Mark Wahlberg just moved his family out of L.A. into Nevada for tax purposes and a more normal life. And they still have to keep defending themselves rather than being applauded for that. Talk about how that woke culture really has gotten to the point where it's now it's counterintuitive. It's you're the counterculture if you're the guy who stands up for decent values as opposed to woke values. Sure. And look, there is a difference um, with with Pratt and Wahlberg. They're both Catholic. Um, You know, they wear their faith uh, openly. Could they mm-hmm. put on a MAGA? Could they put on a, a MAGA hat? Probably not. But so at least Jesus is still more tolerable than some politician, right? <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. That's true. So, and look, Republicans, you know, you got guys like Reagan, Eastwood, who never, I mean, he was the mayor of a town, but, you know, Schwarzenegger, um, Trump, these people were rich and famous first. And then they went into a job that pays nothing to serve the American people. Right. You got guys like Bill Clinton and Barack Obama who came who 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 weren't they weren't worth anything. Um they came from nothing. And you know, Bill Clinton once said, if an actor can be president, then the president can be an actor. Well, we saw some of that for eight years with uh, mm-hmm. you know, Slick Willie. So, but yep. now they're multi-multi-millionaires. Um, Hillary, Michelle, Barack, and Bill, they got a ton of dough uh by just being elected. Uh, to serve. So it's interesting when you look at, you know, Republicans one way and, and, and Democrats another. When it comes to Hollywood guys, um, I mean, look, Pratt is is married to the to a Kennedy and a Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's married to Maria Shriver and Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter. Do I see of of all of you know, Wahlberg? I don't think is ever going to run for office. Pratt yeah. might run for office someday. I don't know hmm. where, I don't know what he would do, but I, I get the feeling and I've got people, you know, in 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 that world that they kind of see that. But he's he's keeping his nose clean. He's mainly, I mean, he'll still do R-rated stuff, you mm-hmm. know, but I think he sees the world in, in a traditional sense. I mean, he came out, you know, Disney does this this expo um, where they show upcoming you know, films or Star Wars or Marvel stuff. 
And he like led the crowd in a prayer. Wow. Right. Which wow. probably made the boardroom at Disney. Yeah. yeah. All the people <laughs> at ESPN and a at ABC and, you know, uh, they, it probably scared him a little bit, but yeah. you know, he's, he's only going to go so far uh, because he still wants to work, but those yeah. guys are big enough. It's like Chappelle telling jokes about the trans uh, craziness. You know, they're big enough that they can, you know, they can be a bullet sponge when the woke show up yeah. and start firing at them. But if you're, they can take a punch, start, right. if you're just starting out tomorrow and you're a person of faith on one hand, or you're a, a comedian that wants to tell jokes about illegal aliens or trans or global warming, you know, there's not as many spaces you can go to where you won't get canceled. So, right. you know, I mean, Wahlberg has Gibson backing him. Um, Gibson seems to be making a comeback, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there are there are people out there, there are comedians that, that, that like cancel culture. It's an amazing thing. Um, there, the joke police are out there. Um, and if they can, if they can hunt you down for your faith, uh, they'll do that too. It's just Pratt and Wahlberg, I think are big enough at this point. It's hard to get them. Yeah, definitely the exception rather than the rule. And yet that paints the perfect picture for us in terms of what we as Americans, what we as people of faith need to be thinking about when we cast our vote, either at the ballot box or at the ticket counter. With with the dollars that we invest, that's a way that we vote all throughout the, the course of our working day as well. And AJ Rice has uh, given us a lot to think about here. The brand new book, again, is called The Woking Dead, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. And of course, the underlying theme is there are ways we could stand up to this and we can actually push back against it. Uh, but you got to read the book and find out. Uh, the link for the book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Tons of five-star ratings, and I can certainly see why. Uh, AJ Rice, it's been great to get some spend some time with you here on camera and also on the, uh, on the audio portion of the program as well. Uh, where do we find you on social media? Where's the best place for us to link up? Yeah, I mean, I'm on pretty much everything, either under AJ Rice or Publius PR, which is, you know, my day job. I run one of the one of the premier sort of conservative um, and, you know, a lot of Christian clients too, uh, PR firms uh, in the United States, straight from Washington, D.C. But look, you can find me publiuspr.com. Um, and then, you know, you can get the book anywhere books are sold, you know, Books a Million, uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, if you want to give Bezos money. Uh, <laughs> right. So, so yeah, no, I appreciate it. And we appreciate this audience. Um, we appreciate the opportunity to speak to this audience. It's a smart group. It's a group that cares about preserving uh, American tradition, the American creed and faith. Um, you know, we're a nation of refugees, a Christian refugees, Judeo-Christian refugees, and and Western civilization is really the target of the woke. Yeah. Um, they have they have two targets. We didn't get into it today, but the two targets that they have to get rid of is the middle class and the nuclear family, and of course, the removal of all things Judeo-Christian, Greco-Roman from uh, our daily lives. Well, that's certainly food for thought for the next conversation, so we'll be sure to put that on the calendar. Uh, A.J. Rice, The Woking Dead, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. The link is up at thebottomlineshow.com. A.J., thank you so much for being with us today here on The Bottom Line Show. Thank you, sir. Great to revisit that conversation with a dear friend of the ministry here at The Bottom Line Show, A.J. Rice. 
AJ's a publicist, he's an author, and he's been hanging around this wokeism for quite some time. Uh, he's written a great book on the topic called The Woking Dead, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we do have a copy of this book to give away here on this Super Tuesday. We'd love to place it in your hands. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, we do have one copy of the book called The Woking Dead by A.J. Rice. Uh, it's up at thebottomlineshow.com and we're giving it away today. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, a little intro to activism for those of us in the body of Christ who are looking for opportunities to say, I want to do more than just go to church, read my Bible and pray, make donations to groups like Preborn, which is a great thing to do. How can I get more involved in what's happening here? I'm going to give you a couple of opportunities here locally, right here in our own backyard to do so. It's coming up next as the bottom line continues. Stephanie Kovar understands that personal injury help is a uniquely Christian concept. Christians sometimes balk at using a personal injury attorney after an accident, but Paul said that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. When you've been injured, it's important that the responsible party makes your temple well again. And the idea of restitution for lost wages and medical care comes from Exodus 21 and 22, where God outlines the concept of consequences and restitution. That biblical concept says that a person liable for injuring another must replace what is lost as a matter of justice. Sometimes being made whole means being compensated, and Stephanie Cover will fight for your wholeness because it is the Christian thing to do. And she is refreshingly honest. So if she feels like she's not the right attorney or that there is no case, she'll be upfront with you about it. If you've been in an accident, find out at no cost if Stephanie can help you by going to kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R. My thanks again to A.J. Rice for joining me today here on The Bottom Line to talk about his new book called The Woking Dead. And uh, it's just, it's amazing to see what happens when the woke in our culture uh, look for allies and the allies that they find are other progressives that realize that uh, they've got opposition in good godly organizations. And as a result, uh, those good godly organizations wind up on the cutting room floor. Uh, we've got one copy of this book, The Woking Dead, that we're giving away today. And there is a great section in there on how progressives go after Christians. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And again, we've got one copy of the book, The Woking Dead, that we're sharing today. Hey, you know, it's uh, I, I mentioned that there are some ways that we as Christians and as citizens can get involved. I'm going to put a post up at thebottomlineshow.com from the Costa Mesa City Council. Now, of course, I'm partial to Costa Mesa because that's where our city of license is for the Bottom Line Show, where the studios are located. And obviously, we broadcast all over the state of California, all over the state of Colorado. We get into Wyoming, get into Kansas. We've got people listening in New York. Hello, New York. Um, Nevada, Arizona. It's great because of the internet and because of the app. And a lot of these are, are Bottom Line Show listeners who grew up in Southern and Northern California, and they move away, and they're like, hey, I could still make this my local radio station. But this is an example. I want to just list some of the things that the Costa Mesa City Council looks for when they're finding residents will serve on these city committees. There's an animal services committee that assists with the planning of animal-related events and uh, what 
gets recommendations for improving animal services, pet licensing in the city, that kind of stuff. There's an active transportation committee that uh, assists with the review, update, and implementation of their active transportation plan to make those recommendations. Uh, there's the Fairview Park Steering Committee, which is a committee that gives advice to the city council regarding the implement, implementation of uh, Measure A capital improvement projects and in Costa Mesa, it's the Fairview Park thing. And then there's a Finance and Pension Advisory Committee, Historical Preservation, the list goes on. Um, I encourage you, they just went through their last round of applications this past fall, and uh, a lot of these are for two-year terms. So if you live in Costa Mesa, this is something you can get involved in. But this, these are great. I mean, you don't have to be elected. You just have to apply, and they draw names and do what they do. And I think it's wise. I mean, it, it's wise for us as Christians to look for ways to serve our communities this way. So if you're interested, if you're a Costa Mesa resident, obviously you'll benefit from uh, what we have up at thebottomlineshow.com. But if you are, regardless of where you live, take a look at this list as a template and contact your own city council and ask them, hey, what, what can we do? Maybe your church can adopt one of these councils and get a bunch of people on it. And then the church has a presence going into the community and doing the beach cleanup or doing the animal pet fair adoption thing or, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, these are all ways that we can let our light so shine so that others would see our good works, but then instead of giving us a pat on the back, they would bring glory to God for what God is doing in and through us. So put that out there as a community service from all of us here at The Bottom Line Show. You know, one of the things I appreciate about um, social services in particular, um, I've mentioned this before, uh, maybe I haven't spoken about this aspect of my background in the past, but uh, my, both my parents were educators. And I have three biological children right now who are educators. And uh, one of my uh, bonus kids is an instructor, as, a, as in tennis instructor, runs a tennis academy. So education is really important to us. But one of the things that my dad did for the last 20 years that he was in the workforce was he served as the assistant superintendent for the Orange County Department of Education. And he, uh, he served as the assistant superintendent in what they call operational services. He had all of the non-traditional uh, forms of school, which meant he had uh, people who had young people who had been involved in crime, who wound up in the uh, you know, either continuation schools or the prison schools, as we used to call them, and then people with developmental delays and disabilities and special ed for them as well. And, you know, it's interesting to see when someone is younger and they're in their school age world, they, the cities and counties usually have a good place for them to kind of land at least and, and get some basic training. But as people get older, they kind of age out of those programs and sometimes they wind up homeless. Or some people who do have a traumatic experience that happens in their life and um, just winds up pushing a shopping cart because they got nowhere else to go. And, and when you're not in the day-to-day -day routine, a lot of people found this out during the pandemic, when you have a nine-to-five job to go to and church to go to and responsibilities to tend to and you're out and about and coming and going and this, that, and the other thing, your life is kind of lived outside your home. And when you get to the point where all of those other distractions are taken take away, sometimes you find yourself going, I don't know what to do. I mean, I've talked to too many people who experienced homelessness, not so much because they ran out of money, but they ran out of hope, they ran out of vision, they ran out of, you know, help. Um, the Orange County Health Agency, HCA, is partnering with the city of Costa Mesa right now as an example of something we Christians can get involved in here. Um, they they want to help individuals who are experiencing homelessness and who have serious behavioral health conditions. And so uh, the Behavioral Health Bridge housing program is being funded by a $4 million grant from the County of Orange. And it is a partnership between the county and the city of Costa Mesa 
that basically uh, Don Wagner, who's the chairman of this committee, says that the BB, BHBH program is a crucial step forward in addressing the homeless crisis and supporting those with behavioral health challenges. Primary objective is to provide immediate and sustainable solutions for those who are homeless. And the reason that they are homeless would be because they're facing significant behavioral health barriers to accessing assistance. Now, initially, this is the thing that I, I still need this explained to me, often and with great passion. There's a $4 million grant to get this thing up and running. It will provide a home with 15 beds. Now, it's not cheap to do this type of programming, but think about what has to happen. You're talking about operational services and supportive services and, and, and the facility for expanding the uh, bridging housing alternatives. But the key is the bridge. Uh, Orange County Super Supervisor Katrina Foley says that uh, for too long, the cities have been investing local dollars to boost up the county system. But right now, is this BHBH program is designed to say, hey, let's, let's not just make it a county thing. Let's go ahead and, and make this a city situation. Now, the California Department of Health Care Services is going to provide $1.5 billion for programs like the BHBH. That's where the $4 million is coming from. And we're going to put a link up at thebottomlineshow.com for if you're interested, maybe your city can get involved in this, whether it's Orange County, San Bernardino, Riverside, San Diego, LA Ventura, or the Bay Area, or wherever. These are the types of programs I love to see Christians getting involved in. Too often, we fall back on the, well, the government should do something, somebody should do something, et cetera, et cetera. And we don't pay any attention to the fact that what really needs to happen here is that it's us being the hands and feet of Jesus. I want to talk a little bit more about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Freeborn is the ministry we've been talking about all year long that provides free ultrasounds for women who are expecting. But one of the best things about the preborn ultrasound experience for a woman is oftentimes there are women who come to preborn, they see the ultrasound, all of a sudden they begin to realize, wow, this is a baby, not a cluster of cells, and what are my options? They find out that option number one, of course, is congratulations, you're a mother. Here in the People's Republic of California, they can also legally abort the child. But the third option is the one that you don't hear about at the abortion clinics, and that's releasing the child for adoption. Your $28 donation to Preborn right now will provide one ultrasound visit. A $15,000 donation will provide one ultrasound machine. And thanks to a special year-end gift here, a matching gift by a friend of the Ministry of Preborn, your gift today is doubled. Go online to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com, click on the Preborn banner, and then make your best tax-deductible donation to Preborn. $28 saves one baby's life, $140 saves five, $280 saves 10, and $15,000 provides an ultrasound machine that can do 250 ultrasounds per year for at least 10 years. And every gift you make today will be doubled thanks to a special matching gift at Preborn. Learn more when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the Preborn banner today. Welcome back to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh talking about this great new uh, grant. The County of Orange has made a deal with the city of Costa Mesa to invest in something called the Behavioral Health Bridge Housing Program, BHBH, that is going to provide a new facility, 15 new beds for people who are homeless. It's transitional housing. The idea is not this is your end-all, be-all, but it's transitional housing, and the key is to find people who are experiencing homelessness and have behavioral health challenges. 
it's so encouraging to see this uh, taking place. You know, Jesus talked about, uh, you know, when he's talking to the sheep and talking to the goats and, you know, uh, Lord, when did we see you naked and in prison and this, that, and the other thing? And he said, hey, whenever you did this for one of the least of these, you're doing this unto me. If you've ever had a family member who's had a behavioral health challenge or maybe a family member who has experienced homelessness, maybe that was you who experienced homelessness. And it may or may not have been the result of a health challenge. But having someone to give you the hand up not the handout, is key. Nobody wants to stay in that situation. And unfortunately, most progressive policies are designed to make the people who implement them feel good about themselves, but they're not really designed to solve anything. And here's the beautiful thing about faith in Christ. Jesus and his offer of salvation is a solutions-driven God. He says, here's the problem. You're a sinner. You're stuck in sin. Here's another problem for you, and that's God is holy. God can't sin. He can't lie. He can't not be who he is. But God so loved the world that he gave. That's what we're going to celebrate this coming Monday. Well, Sunday night and Monday. God so loved the world that he created that he gave his only begotten son to do what? To pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. That way, now, when God looks at us, he doesn't say, sinful Roger, you can't be in my presence. What he says is, redeemed child of God, come give your father a hug. How many people, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, we may say, well, I'm, you know, may not be the best Christian or whatever, but at least I'm not homeless. Well, what if we all considered people who are experiencing homeless right now in the same light that we as Christians are basically eternally homeless? And the only way we can get home is to get our mind right with God because we got our hearts right with God. The other stuff will take care of itself. But first and foremost, when we do an act of kindness for the least of these, like someone who's experiencing homelessness, we're showing the love of Christ in a very tangible and powerful way. That is good news, and that's the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. And Rabbi Schneider coming up next with Discovering the Jewish Jesus. For those who remain on the network, a very interesting story about a church and state issue where a church is taking a county issue to court, and I think they're not only going to win, they should win. We'll do a little analysis, balance, and clarity on this subject. Coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, welcome back to the Super Tuesday edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and uh, we're thankful that you have the opportunity to uh, call us and uh, share your thoughts on the programming that we have here at the Bottom Line Show. Of course, A.J. Rice and the great book, uh, uh, The Woking Dead. Uh, we've got it up at thebottomlineshow.com. I encourage you to take a look at that. Also, if you're looking for a way to get involved, um, you know, I was talking earlier about uh, how the city of Costa Mesa is always looking for people to sit in these city communities. And I really encourage people um, to get involved. If you feel that leading, a lot of pastors are going for city councils. I remember a couple of years ago in the election cycle, a member of our church decided to run for school board, kind of last minute and almost pulled off a victory. Uh, Trisha Yee, remembering, talking about you. Um, and then thinking about how, what it is about us getting involved in things like the sanctity of human life and preborn, and what a preborn clinic does in a community that might say, well, we need to plan parenthood like right here in Costa Mesa. Remember, we had that story a couple of weeks ago about the young man, the young Marine, who uh, was so upset with the abortion situation that he drove to the Planned Parenthood Clinic here in Costa Mesa and threw a Molotov cocktail in the parking lot. And it wound up doing some you know, physical damage to the facility. No one was hurt, thank the Lord. 
And though he was, you know, his, he said his goal was, I was trying to scare women who were thinking about having an abortion, maybe to rethink that decision, and also to, um, to, to encourage people who were working in the medical field to not do that type of thing. And I said, whoa, 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 stop, stop. Now, when God confronts us with our sin, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, we can be re- redeemed from that sinful life. But when it comes to the, the, the scaring part of it, you know, there are some things that are going to be scary in and of themselves. I'll be honest with you. I mean, the way I read scripture is this. Jesus had a lot of disdain for the leaders of the day who were being cruel and unusual, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, that type of stuff. When it came to people who didn't know better, who had never heard the gospel before, he wasn't all weepy and namby-pamby, but there was a certain grace, compassion. I mean, God has to be merciful to be kind. And I think one of the things I love about preborn is the fact that there's a lot of mercy that goes into everyone who, the lives of everyone who is counseling there, who's helping people. And we have a special match. I mean, now until Christmas, you got this double matching grant in place. We, we've got to use this money wisely and we need to use it now. Next year in 2024, you know the left is going to come after abortion rights issues. They're going to come after fetal heartbeat bills. They're going to come after uh, pro-life clinics. You know, that big furor in Texas that's been going on about the woman who has a child in the womb who's been diagnosed with trisomy 18. Uh, The baby's life is not going to be easy once the baby is born. But this woman said, look, for all intents and purposes, the baby's dead and I want an abortion. And Texas law says, no, you can't do that. Now, I'll be honest with you. I mean, we're reading more and more about people whose kids are born with so-called terminal conditions and they don't live a long life, but they live a very powerful and impacting life. And the left is trying to eliminate all pain and discomfort, right? Progressives don't want anything that doesn't look like what they don't want it to look like, even though they claim to be welcoming and inclusive and this, that, and the other thing. And having walked down this road with a couple of couples that I know who've had kids who were born with what seemed like a terminal illness, your kid's not going to last for more than 10 months, and they wind up living for 10 years. You know, I mean, it's a real blessing. It is tough, but it's a real blessing. And progressives don't see it that way. So we can either throw a Molotov cocktail at an abortion clinic to keep that child from being aborted, or we could show, as Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, we could show a more excellent way, and that is the preborn clinic. When you make a donation today to preborn, here's what happens. $28 donation covers the cost of an ultrasound appointment. And that, that's when a, a young woman will come in, get the pregnancy test, verify that she is in fact pregnant, because sometimes the left wants you to think you're pregnant, but uh, not actually be pregnant, and go through the process anyway. And then there's the whole issue of whether or not, um, you know, that you're, it's a viable pregnancy and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it's just amazing to me because I think about how many women are duped into abortion because they're told there's no hope. They get told by a doctor, your child's going to have Down syndrome. Your child's going to be have cerebral palsy. Your child's gonna, not going to live that long anyway. You may as well go ahead and abort the child. And then the child is born, and guess what? No birth defect, no problem. And it's up to mom then to say, okay, we're going to either raise this child on our own or release the child for adoption. Your $28 donation covers one ultrasound appointment. Petrus and Pleasanton called in recently with a $140 donation. That covers the cost of five ultrasound appointments at a preborn clinic. And Petros, thank you for doing that. By doing so, though, with the special match in place, Petros' $140 donation is doubled, and now it's 10 kids, 10 appointments that are covered. Um, Robert in Livermore gave a $1,000 donation 
recently to preborn, and that thousand dollars right now is two thousand dollars because of the special match that's in place. Will you please consider making a gift before Christmas to preborn? Tax deductible donation. Um, you can go online to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com. The va- I'll give, give the phone number in a second, but the vast majority of people who have been supporting preborn of late have been giving their gifts online. So kbriteradio.com. Look for the banner, scroll down, you'll find it. If you want an easier way to make a donation online, and this is not a knock on our website, I love our website at Kbright Radio and the Bottom Line Show, but the rogermarsh.com website just doesn't have, I mean, it's just my stuff. It's not like the whole radio station stuff. So it's easier to find. When you go to rogermarsh.com, click on the link. There's a little blue line right at the top of the page. It says click here and then to have your impact doubled uh, through preborn. And you click there and it takes you right to the preborn page. And there you go. A $28 donation doubled to $56. A $1,000 donation doubled to $2,000. And every interval of $28 means one more life is saved. So will you take action? The reason I bring that up in this civic sense is the fact that so many people are convinced that the, you know, the government has to get involved in this, the government has to fund abortions, and, and, and we're showing you, hey, not, number one, not only does the government not need to be involved, the same people who are saying, get the government out of my bedroom and telling me what to do are the ones who say, yeah, but I want the government to subsidize my abortion. I mean, pick one, right? The preborn clinic concept is a pregnancy resource center where you hear all three of your options. It's far more comprehensive in terms of the counseling than any abortion clinic will ever be. The abortion clinic is there to kill your child. That's what they're there for. They're there to sell you birth control pills. And now Planned Parenthood is there to sell you cross-sex hormone replacement or injection because that apparently is part of pregnancy, right? That, that makes sense. Planned Parenthood change your gender so you're effectively sterile and can never be a parent. Does that make any sense to you? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, when Christians get involved in something that the world says the government should be running, we usually do a better job of doing it better. So your donation to preborn, tax deductible, will go to that ultrasound technology and will save babies' lives full stop. Now, when it comes to churches engaging governments and pastors running for city council and that type of thing, obviously everybody has to know their lane and stay in that lane. Of late, what we've heard is a lot of the secular progressives, you know, the ones who are constantly screaming separation of church and state, the ones who are constantly belly aching about the fact that churches are, you know, we had Coach Joe Kennedy on last week or two weeks ago. And Joe's whole bit. Here's a guy, he's a Christian, he's a former Marine. He had been recruited to be a football coach at Bremerton High School. But when he went out and exercised his First Amendment rights to take a knee, bow his head in a moment of silent prayer at midfield after the game, just by himself, all of a sudden, all hell broke loose at the district. It wasn't that somebody was attacking them for this. Somebody actually called the Bremerton School District and said, hey, I think it's great that you have this coach out there praying. It was a superintendent who said, wait a minute, we got to call HR. Uh, we don't want a lawsuit. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm afraid I'm going to get sued. And then, of course, the double irony of the fact that not only was Joe a military veteran who was exercising his First Amendment right, but his wife was the head of HR, and she had to lead the investigation against her husband. Boy, the, when the enemy plays, he does not play fair at all. Well, there's another case that's going on right now that's one of those ones that I want to do some analysis, balance, and clarity on so we can get some discernment 
edification and then fruitfulness on the matter. It involves a church in Texas that says that utility officials have been overcharging the church for something that they did that was approved by the city and by the county. And it's something that no one would find fault in the church actually doing, but now their bill keeps going up simply because they installed a tap water facility on the church campus. We're going to get to the bottom of this because it's very interesting. Members of the uh, the county are saying, no, no, we have to use this. Um, members of the church are referring to this as a holy water tax. So at what point does the church say, I'm going to stand up for my rights, or we're going to stand up for our rights rather, or are we going to just kind of be overcharged? You can be the judge. We'll give you all the facts coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Why is it important that we as Christians run for office? The reason is because sometimes you wind up getting people on certain city councils or government agencies that are rather unscrupulous, especially as it pertains to people of the Christian faith and organizations that reflect our values. And then you wind up dealing with a situation like our friends at Grace Woodlands Church in the Woodlands, Texas are dealing with. Now, the Woodlands is an area just north of Houston. It's kind of a, uh, what's the way I'm looking for it? If you're a Southern Californian, for example, it's kind of like a, uh, I guess it's kind of like a Coto de Casa, Nellie Gale, you know, some of the Emerald Point, whatever. Um, it, it's, it's a nice area. And uh, Woodlands is a bunch of, uh, uh, it, it's, it's been around for about 40, 50 years. It was property that was owned by the Howard Hughes Corporation, and they started selling it off uh, to establish some pretty nice um uh, you know, areas of living. It's kind of a, it's kind of old school. As a matter of fact, uh, my daughter and son-in-law live in the area there in Conroe, just outside of the woodlands. And my grandson, Isaac, will, uh, this is full disclosure, uh, if, if they stay in the same district that they're in, they moved to that district so he could go to the woodlands high school. Uh, as a matter of fact, they would love to live in the woodlands, but at the same time, no one's doing any new construction there. The older homes are all overpriced. And so they're, they're staying with their starter home that would be perfect for them if it were in California. But in California, it would cost three times as much. Anyway, so that's a little bit about the Marsh family in Texas, but I digress. Grace Woodlands Church in the Woodlands has an issue with the Southern Montgomery County Municipal Utility District. They are uh, basically this district is a political subdivision in Texas that provide water and sewage drainage and other services. So when your water bill shows up and it also takes in some cases it covers, you know, trash and this, that and the other thing. 
Um, here's what happened. The district basically um, got into it with the church because the church added a, uh, a, a tap water system, a water tap at their facility um, earlier this year. And so basically when they originally got the quote from the district that estimated that her, hooking up the church's water line to the county would cost just a hair under $25,000. So they thought, okay, that's fine. That's how much it's going to cost. It's a one-time charge. It's no big deal. After the initial quote, though, then they started getting the bill. And the bill started showing up, and the first bill uh, came in at $61,500. Then the next bill came up at $147,938. Then it came in at $61,500 again. They finally landed on that the, even though the hookup charge is supposed to be $24,900, by the time it was all said and done, the cost was $83,780. Now, the bill was for establishing the hookup. So that's the cost of labor. That's the cost of equipment. And there are certain materials required to bring the water tap uh, and the, you know, basically into, uh, into compliance with the county. Now, the church looked at their water bills for the previous seven years. And they figured that if they had been paying a monthly bill for 84 months, that bill would have been no more than $1,000 a month or $84,000. $83,780 just to install the tap. But here's where it gets interesting. When the church pushed the city and said, hey, wait a minute, this is ridiculous. This is way too high. You told us it'd be a $25,000 fee to do the installation. And now you're trying to charge us $84,000. Why is that? Well, here's the reason why. According to the lawsuit, they say the district says that we have to charge you these additional fees because Grace Woodlands Church is a church. Now, that's not, they're not going after them simply because they're a religious organization, but rather they're going after them because as a nonprofit tax-exempt organization, they basically, they can't tax the church for these because it doesn't generate a profit. So in other words, what they're saying is, if you were a business, we would be charging you $1,000 uh, a month to cover our costs. Now, full stop and, and full disclosure. I get it that a government has to run like a business. I mean, you can't just willy-nilly pay salaries. You can't just buy stuff. And, you know, we, we, we all see the thing about, you know, the government was putting some space station together and spent $1,000 on a toilet seat or, you know, whatever it is. That isn't always the case. Sometimes it is. Sometimes they do build that high. But other times it's, a, well, wait a minute. You build an airplane and it's got seats in it and toilets and cockpit and all that stuff. And if you break down the cost, that's what it works out to be. But basically, the idea here is the district is attempting to impose taxes for all intents and purposes on a, a non-taxable organization. The church is not saying they shouldn't pay anything. What they're saying is we should pay our fair share. Now, here's the good thing about this. The Christian Post did a little digging and they reached out to the Southern Montgomery County Municipal District and their attorney to say, hey, what's going on here? And the district and the attorney did not respond. 
So it's interesting because uh, our friends at First Liberty are handling this, Jeremy Dyson Company. And basically, this is not the first time this has happened. The Texas tax code allows nonprofit organizations to get tax exemptions. But here's where this, the county got into it. The district pushed back. And they said, look, here's the thing. We give a lot of water district or the state law gives a lot of water district the authority to recover the cost of providing services to non-taxable entities. For instance, the district is entitled to charge a non-taxable entity. I'm reading their notes here. The cost of providing the central plant and water, sewage and drainage facilities necessary to service a non-taxable entity. Now, I get it. I mean, I absolutely get it. They can't just give this stuff away. There has to be an accounting for this. But here's the thing that makes this case so crazy. The reason the church finally did go to court is they didn't want a problem with the county, so they paid the 83000 in change. Now they're saying, okay, we've done everything you asked us to do. Now here's what we're telling you we expect you to do. We want our refund. We want to be refunded and we want to be taxed fairly. And you might think, well, no, wait a minute. I mean, that, come on. I mean, if you're a pastor, why would you even pursue this? Why would you take on the bad press? And we can all quote the scripture that tells us that we should do everything we can to avoid bringing our godly measures before an unjust judge. But may I remind you of a couple of things that are at play here. First and probably foremost is the fact that this is the church versus the state. State of Texas, Southern Montgomery County, they've set up this district and the district is attempting to kind of eschew state law so that they might be able to tax the church $84,000 for something that shouldn't cost more than 25. Secondly, and perhaps more importantly too, this is not the first time this has happened. Magnolia Bible Church, also in Montgomery County, First Baptist Church, also in Montgomery County, Believers Fellowship, also in Montgomery County, have had the same issue. They have fought these holy water tax cases and they've won. So now you're getting into an issue where the attorney for the district of South, Southern Montgomery County didn't pay attention. And the reason is very simply, it's called case precedent. The reason that Roe versus Wade stayed as the perceived law of the land for 49 and a half years, or I should say 48 and a half years, is because of a Supreme Court precedent and then followed up by Planned Parenthood versus Casey, Doe versus Bolton before that. Those were three court cases to where you could say, yeah, we could try to pass a law here on the federal government level that would basically ban abortion, but it would be challenged in court and the three cases that would be used to prove that that challenge uh, was successful was Roe versus Wade, Doe versus Bolton, Planned Parenthood versus Casey. What makes the Dobbs versus Jackson case so important, and now we're talking sanctity of human life here, is the fact that by the Supreme Court ruling in favor of Dobbs in the Dobbs versus Jackson case and establishing a 15-week abortion ban, which the left doesn't want. We don't want to be banned for anything. Can't tell me what to do unless I get the government to tell you what to do. Then I'm a good progressive, right? But the beautiful thing about this was in the decision that affirmed Dobbs over Jackson, it also basically usurped 
overturned Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Now the left is scrambling because they don't know what to do. They need to pass a federal abortion law. That's why all these states are codifying it into state law. And I get it. That's the parliamentary procedure here in the U.S. But now we have case precedent where the Supreme Court has said, yeah, but you know what? If you're trying to legalize this, if someone challenges this law, we'll go back to the Dobbs versus Jackson case and say you don't have the basis to pass it. So if there were a challenge to California's abortion law, for example, they would use Dobbs versus Jackson as case precedent. So here in Montgomery County, Texas, you have not one, not two, but three different churches in that county district that have already fought this law and won. So why again do you think the Southern Montgomery County Municipal District is actually pursuing this line? I'll tell you on the other side of this break, and I'm chuckling a little bit because, well, it's kind of government think at its worst. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. December is the month we celebrate the birth of Christ. And when we think about the birth of Christ, it was technically an unplanned pregnancy, at least as far as Mary and Joseph were concerned. The angel Gabriel had other ideas, of course. And we know that the birth of Christ ushers in God's plan for salvation for you and for me. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas time. Why not during this Christmas season, give a gift in support of a ministry that celebrates the gift of life and the gift of eternal life as well. Preborn is the ministry that offers you the opportunity to have a free ultrasound performed on a pregnant mom. And all she has to do is come in, get that pregnancy test and have the ultrasound done and then find out what her options are, how far along she is. 85% of the time, a woman comes to a preborn clinic, she keeps her child or releases that child for adoption. The abortion clinics don't want you to know about the adoption option. And right now, your $28 donation to preborn is double thanks to a special matching grant that's in place right now through the end of the month. Call 833-850-BABY to make your best donation completely tax deductible and 100% of the money donated to Preborn today goes to the ultrasounds. 833-850-2229, that spells B-A-B-Y, or give a gift online when you go to cambrightradio.com, click on the Preborn banner and make your best tax deductible donation. Do it today. Welcome back to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. A great case study here that's up at thebottomlineshow.com and our thanks to the friends at Christian Post for publishing this. First Liberty Senior Counsel Jeremy Dice and his team are taking on a case involving Grace Woodlands Church, which is in the Woodlands, which is just north of Houston, Texas. And the, this church in the Woodlands, Grace Woodlands, is taking on the Southern Montgomery County Municipal District. They wanted to install uh, a tap water facility in their church and it usually has a fee of you know fifteen to twenty thousand dollars or so to cover the cost you do have to pay for the fee to install it but as a nonprofit organization the government does not have the right to do what governments do which is we're going to upcharge everything we're going to upcharge the labor we're going to upcharge the the cost uh, and then we're going to try to you know amortize some of our losses that we've endured in other cases in other areas well grace woodlands church is now the fourth church in Southern Montgomery County Municipal Utility District to challenge this law. And the other three that went before them won. So when they were told it would cost $24,900 to hook up this water line and got the final bill for $83,780, they did pay the bill, but then they sent the lawsuit that said, look, we want our money back. We also want monies back for damages 
and basically we, we have plans for that money. Now I applaud the church for working to get their money back. I'm not so sure about the damage claim, but I know Jeremy Dice, I've known him for years at First Liberty. I trust him if that's what they're asking for. I mean, part of the damages of course will be legal fees. They gotta pay the attorneys. And so they have to put that into their, their ask. But it's very clear here that the Southern Montgomery County Municipal Water Utility District is trying to recoup costs of doing this for nonprofits. And there's a good chance that the reason that they nearly quadrupled the cost of the install at Grace Woodlands Church is because of the other three churches that they had to do what it cost for that they weren't able to jack up the prices on. Someone figured no one would notice. Brothers and sisters, it's okay to be the Apostle Paul and say, look, I'm a Roman citizen and I want to go before the governor. I mean, the, the question here the, of, you know, do we take our godly cases before an ungodly judge? That pertains to a Christian and a fellow Christian who won't settle their disputes. In a case like this, it's important for the church. Not, and this isn't about the money. This is all about the principle. It's the principle as in principles, P-L-E-S, not principle as in principle, P-A-L, and the money. Sure, the money's a, a benefit, but they're going to be good stewards with the money once they win. I'm sure they will. But let's be mindful of the fact that this is a case where it's not right to treat Christian businesses, nonprofit organizations, et cetera, especially tax exempt. Now, if you own a for-profit Christian business, this is a different conversation. But for the nonprofits like the preborns and the churches and things like that, this is a case that it's important to stand up and say, look, we're not gonna let you run over us just because we're a church. And for people who work in the government too, I wanna commend any Christian politician, county supervisor, city council member who would look at this type of action and ask the question, why is this municipal district doing this? There should be an investigation into the Southern Montgomery County Municipal Utility District to find out why they go after churches like this. Maybe they used to think they were easy marks, but we want to, in a godly, God-honoring way, stand our ground for the rights and privileges that we are granted as churches and organizations too. That is good news, and that's the bottom line.